The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Let's lift up our voices and worship Him as individuals. Worship Him. Tell Him, Lord, you are God by yourself. You are my God, and I will ever praise you. You are my rock, my fortress, my very present help in the time of trouble. You are my God, the focus of my worship. Lord, I bless you. In Jesus' name, we have worship. You know, at creation, the Bible says there was darkness. God called for light. I sense that there are people here this morning. I sense not because I'm a prophet. I, maybe I am, I don't know. But I sense because sometimes, indeed many times I go to church and I'm in darkness. You know, like I'm in a really dark place. And I know that I'm not strange. So there are people who come to church and they're in a really dark place. So if you are in that situation this morning, I want you to lift up your voice to the almighty God and say, Father, in every darkness in my life, call forth your light. Go ahead, talk to the almighty God. Lift up your voice and talk to him. There are some of us here, we are in serious, serious trouble. In that dark situation in my life. That bleak situation in my life. Call forth light. Where there is sorrow, Lord, let there be joy. Let there be joy. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. I want us to take two more prayer points. And I'm not asking us to pray as an act of religion. When I was a young believer, when I first met, first met Pastor Femi, you know, they were always great prayer warriors. I used to think prayer was boring. But as I grew older in the Lord, I realized that I have no hope without prayer. As in zero hope. And I received so much, so much in prayer. Encouragement, comfort, major, major, major breakthroughs. That I will never, if we prayed till the end of the service, I will have delivered, I will have tried. Amen? So let's lift up our voices and talk to God. There was emptiness. The Bible says there was void. I know some of us here don't know what void is. But a sister testified that she was about to have a baby and she didn't have supply. There may be one or two people here who are in an institution where they look at their lives and there is void. It may be financial void. It may be marital void. It may just be uh, the void of vision. You know, they look ahead and they can't even know. They can't tell what tomorrow holds. Let's lift up our voices to God and say, Father... Where there is void, where there is emptiness, where there is a vacancy in my life, fill it up in the name of Jesus. Every void, every void in my life, every emptiness, because you are God by yourself. Because you are God by yourself. Because you are God. This womb has been empty. You should have carried a baby now. Lord, fill it, Lord. My finances have been completely empty. Father, you are the El Shaddai. Open heavens over me. Let it rain again, Lord. There's no joy in my home. The one has turned sour. Lord, let there be an overflow of your joy. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. The last prayer point, the Bible says, in simple words, there was confusion. There was just disorder. You know, the, the real simple meaning of disorder is when things are not in the right place. You know, when the head is the tail and so on and so forth. There are some of us here this morning, when you look at your life, 
That song doesn't mean anything to you when you say you are God by yourself because you know that something else has taken the place of God. Maybe it's one mountain. You know, there are some problems a man can have in his life. When, when you hear that someone went and jumped off Todd Bridge, that's what happens when someone thinks that something else has taken the place of God. Some of us have bosses in our lives. Sorry to say, some of us have husbands that have taken the place of God in our lives, terrorizing our lives. Some of us have wives. I had a friend whose wife used to beat him black and blue. I don't know who is God in your life apart from God. I want you to lift up your voice to God this morning and say, Father, everything reigning in my life that is contrary to you, dethrone today in Jesus' name. Take your place. Take your throne in my life. Take your place. Restore order into my life. Some of us, it's medical bills. Some of us is medication. Some of us is drugs. For some of us is sex. Some of us is just fear, fear, the fear of the unknown. Everything reigning in my life that is contrary to your divine order. Father, Lord, I ask this morning that you will remove the throne, Lord. Every force of darkness that has taken its place in my life. Father, dethrone. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And so, Father, we thank you today. We do not take your mercies for granted, Lord. We know that it is by your mercies, only 100%, that we are here today. We thank you for drawing us into your presence. Your word says that in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures that last forever. Father, we ask that you will draw every one of us, all of us, into the fullness of your presence this morning. And we ask that you will release us today, Lord, with testimonies that endure forever. Make our lives an eternal testimony. Speak to us. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit will infuse every word that comes forth this afternoon. Change lives, Lord. Let the transformation be total. Let it be eternal. Let it be infectious. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Before you sit, community is what? We are better together. And yet you don't know the name of a person sitting next to you. So look for five people that you don't know this morning. Not on the same row, right? So like, go as far as possible and meet five new people. I met Jonathan this morning. I met Splendid. I met Unjoku. Um, Shalakwe and... Dandulala, I'm sorry. <laughs> Body, stand with me. to do it properly. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Amen. Amen. You know, I, 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 I'm sure we connect and that's why we're all about community. But I just want to encourage you, um, in the world that we live in, um, we're growing increasingly disconnected. You know, with social media and all that stuff. 
you know, someone was saying to me a few days ago that even his children don't speak to him anymore. They only send texts to one another. You know, and, and that's a very dangerous place to be. So please, let's stay connected. Amen? Uh, and, I, and, and speaking about connections, I, I want to thank God for the life of our pastor, Pastor Femi Monet. Uh, I, I consider him a blessing of major, major uh, value to my life and my wife's life. And um, I've known him now for about 21 years. And I thank God for the role that God has used him to play uh, in my life over the years. When I came to Jesus, before I came to the Lord, I had many friends. I'm one of those people who have friends, you know, everywhere. But then one of the things that delayed me was that I thought I was going to lose all my friends. So in church, Pastor Femi was one of the first friends that I met. And by God's grace, through thick and thin, we've had our ups and downs, but God has been gracious. And I thank God that he represents a strong pillar of friendship and support in my life. Um, He baptized me. I didn't say that in the first service. Amen. (laughs) You don't want to know the joke about that baptism. I struggled for a long time to get, because I was raised as a Baptist. And they said in the Baptist church, once they are baptized, they are baptized. But I knew how many sins I committed. After the first one, before I gave my life to Christ. So now, if you ask me to get baptized again, I can get baptized 20 times. It's perfectly okay. Amen? Uh, of course, I want to thank God for the leaders in the house. And um, chief, of course, is uh, our dear Reverend Colley, who's uh, evergreen. Amen? Uh, Reverend and Reverend Mrs. Hello, for you. God bless you. Thanks for being a pillar of support through the years. And I see my sister, Sister Ayo, pastor. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. Genesis 1, 1 to 2, and then verse 31. Let's read it together, if you please. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 31. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. You know, one of the things I love about the song, We Are God from Beginning and the End, is the part that says, you've got times and seasons in your hands. And I know there may be people here today who started the year, and even now that is November, sometime this week, it looks as if the season has not changed. But I want to say to you, Again, not because I'm a prophet, but because when you have a baby, you ask pastors to name your baby, and you believe what they say. So God backs the word of his servants, even if they are not prophets. Amen? So I prophesy to you that no matter how low you started this year, no matter where you are, even at this moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God will turn the season for you this week in the name of Jesus Amen. It's interesting. I hear that today is when the clock goes back or something. The time changes. God will turn the season in your favor in Jesus' name. I bring a message titled, The Key to Everything. The Key to Everything. One of the things that we all have in common as human beings is that we have diverse and abundant expectations. If I asked you to write a list of all the things that you're expecting from God, you probably need a full service to do that. And if you don't have a lot of expectations, then you better add my own to your own. Amen? Praise God. The good news is that the God we serve, according to his word and according to the experiences that many of us have had, he is more than able to even exceed our expectations. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Ephesians 3, 20, the word of God says categorically, say, for we know that God is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above what we may ask or imagine. I pray that everything that you are looking up to God for, he will surpass in Jesus' name. Just to lay a foundation. The three verses we read in Genesis 1 tell us certain fundamentals about God. And and those fundamentals are 
are what they are, fundamentals. They are foundational truths that you need to know about God. And, and by the way, that's how God, those are the first things we see uh, about God, how God was introduced to us. So the first fundamental that I want to bring to our attention is that God is the source of everything. Everything that you seek in life, you can find it in God. Everything. And I mean everything. The words in Genesis 1-1 that says, in the beginning, God did this and that, tell us that in that beginning, God was already there. Amen? God was already there. So you, 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 you suddenly have a problem or a need and you think that you want to invite God into the situation. But the Bible makes it clear to us in Matthew 6, on verse 24 to 34, that God ha- he knows your needs before you even know that they exist. Amen? In Psalm 90 verse 2, the Bible says that before the mountains were brought forth, or the earth was formed, from everlasting to everlasting, you know, just in a very poetic form, just trying to describe the pre-existence of God. So long before that thing that is a mountain in your life, God has been God. Long after the mountain, God still exists. Amen? So a quick lesson here from that fundamental is that if I want my life to go the way God originally intended, You know, I was created by God. So, if I want my life to go as he originally created my life, I must make sure that I bring him to the beginning. I must return to the beginning. You know, it's pretty much like your computers. You know, the computer crashes or something is wrong with it. They will always tell you to do what? To reboot or to reset the machine. So, if you look at your life and you realize that your life is not going... This cannot be how God wanted my life to be. Everything that I hear about God, that I see about God, doesn't line up with my life. I need to go back and find a way to get him to be at that beginning. Because something must have gone wrong along the line. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 when he was saying, how do you do these things? And Jesus said to him, you've got to reset your life. He said, you must be born Again, we must give back to you again in the spirit. So that's the first fundamental. So if you are here and you are looking at your life and you realize things are not the way I expect it to be. I need to go back and ask myself, am I in, is God at the center of my life? And then the second fundamental to to lay a foundation for our conversation today is that God works in harmony. I I wanted to say, I would have loved to say God works in twos, but let's just leave it that God works in harmony. The only two people that are important in this world are you and God. There is a reason why God created the heavens and what? The earth. He could have created just the earth. Don't forget he didn't have a problem with accommodation. So, you know, he was there and then he created the the heavens and then decided to make heaven his, his, his his, his, his dwelling place. But he chose to create the heavens and the earth in twos. And that was a bold statement from the very first verse in the Bible to highlight the importance of the inseparable nature of heaven and earth. When you think about heaven, I hope you think about the spiritual. Amen? And when you think about the earth, I hope you think about the physical. So, In the very first line of the Bible, God is saying to us, the two must go together. And we heard Pastor Femi talk about the upcoming prayer meeting on Saturday. That we need to engage the what? The spiritual. If you ever want to birth anything in your life, in the physical, and you know that God is the one that will make it happen, don't forget that God is what? Spirit. John 4, 24 tells us that. That God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in the spirit and in truth. If you ever have anything you want to birth in the physical, or you want to see happen in your life in the physical, you need to find a way to engage God, first of all, in the spiritual. Because that's how God himself did it. You see, in Genesis 1, verse 3, it says, The spirit of God moved. 
It was after God moved in the spirit that he said, let there be what? Light. So if I want my life to be as God intended, I must learn to harmonize my spiritual life with my physical life. So those fundamental principles, if that's all you hear, because they say some people hear only the first thing you say. If that's all you hear today, that is fine. But God himself engaged those principles. And that's why even though the earth started with confusion, with emptiness, and with darkness, by the time we got to verse 31, the Bible says everything that God had done was very good. I want to say concerning someone here today, by the time this year is over, it will be said that your testimony is a very great one in Jesus' name. So how can I walk this path that God walked? How can I walk this same path? Because when Jesus Christ said to us, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, a very simple operational definition of that statement is just follow God. Follow God. Because if you follow God and you see that God succeeds in the things that he does, he overcomes any obstacles in his way, then the wise thing to do is to follow him and do things the way he does them. Now, when somebody tells you, I'm not God, so I cannot do it the way God does it, then they've told you that you're going to fail. That's what they're saying to you. They're saying to you that you should just settle for being in an entity. Just settle for being a failure. No. The, 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 the apostle said that I can do how many things? All things through Christ who strengthens me. So I must watch one for my connection to the source of all things. I must watch that I am actually connecting my earthly life to the spiritual realm. So three things I want to share with you. Three major, major steps that will help you to um, access the kind of life uh, that God has intended for you. Number one, you must make deliberate choices in life. You must make intentional choices. You must make decisions about where you want your life to be, how you want it to be. You know, the Bible tells us in no uncertain terms that people that are indecisive don't ever get the things they want in life. I hope you know that. It's in James 1. It says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You see, that man should not expect to get anything from God. And you know, you say, well, shall I, what if I make the wrong mistake? That's why you, what if I make a mistake? That's why you engage the spiritual. Because the Bible says you will hear a voice behind you saying to you, turn to the right or turn to the left. Now, okay, you make a mistake. How many people know that a mistake with God is not the end of the story? By God, I have made mistakes in my life. If I start now, you drive me from here. <laughs> but you know, every one of those mistakes, particularly, in fact, let me be honest with you, even before I met the Lord, but more so because, you know, God didn't become your God after you give your life to Christ. He's been watching over you long before you even knew. Otherwise, we'll have died in our sins. You should clap for God for that one. God's mercy has always been available. But obviously, you keep yourself in the outer court when you don't make him your personal Lord and Savior. But Romans chapter 8 verse 28 tells us, it says, for we know that all things work together for good. It didn't say all good things though. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So, learn to make choices. Several times in the Bible, God will say, make a decision. Are you going left or are you going right? When we study the Bible, the verses we read, we see that God makes intentional choices. He made the heavens first. It's not an English language thing that they said heavens and the earth. He made the heavens first to underscore or show the importance of the spiritual over the physical. So if you want to see the power of God evident in your life, you must make decisions that demonstrate that you know the right order of things, the priorities. So that's why wise people pray in the morning. 
Because they know that once they lock down the morning in prayer, then they will have victory throughout the day. But people who like to go around and around in circles, they don't pray. So then, of course, you know, they wonder why it didn't go well. So if you want to see the power of God evident in your life, you must make decisions that show the priorities in your life. Intentional decisions. In Matthew 6, from verse 25 to 34, Matthew 6, 25 to 34, Jesus Christ taught us in clear terms. He said, don't start running all over the place and, you know, thinking that you can take care of yourself. He, he wasn't telling us not to work. He wasn't telling us to just lie down and, you know, refuse to make an effort. He was simply saying, he used the word first. The, he was saying to us, this is first and then start some things that are what? Second, a great book that many, you know, management people have read uh, is called First Things First. He said, don't worry about the food you will eat, the husband you will marry, the wife you will have, the children that you have, the car you... He's, he said, God is the one that created you. He knows every need that you have. The most important decisions in your life were made for you before you were even born. I mean, one good decision was that you are not going to be a good... I mean, you know, he could have chosen to make you a lizard. So then you will have no need for a car. <laughs> or an apartment. So why are, you, why are you fretting? He is your father. He is your creator. So he said, don't worry. He said, this is what you must do. He said, seek what? The first. The kingdom of God and its righteousness. Seek first how to establish the kingdom of God here on earth and the perfection of that kingdom. Bringing people to, to Jesus. Making sure that those who are in Christ are getting edified. Look at a man whose life was saved because some people came for rehearsal. Did you get that? Just because some people came for rehearsal. I'm sure the day they were coming for those rehearsals, which I'm sure is many long nights. And they were practicing that song. Um, no power of hell. Uh, you know, no schemes of man, right? I'm sure they didn't think that someone will be about to die and he will, that song will come. But the day they were coming for that rehearsal, they had a wedding. And they chose, well, I'm just going to make an appearance at the wedding and I'm going to go to church to do rehearsal so that I can be a blessing to someone. And if you know anything about God at all, not even a cup of cold water goes unrewarded. I am a living testimony. Not that I want to break into that song because I don't have a, the grace for that song. You know that song I say I'm a living testimony. But I'm a living testimony that no cup of water goes unrewarded. There's nothing you do for the kingdom of God that God ever overlooks. Even if you feel that no man appreciates, and believe me, we appreciate you. Amen? So, dear friend, seriously speaking, now, eyeball to eyeball, what are your priorities in life? Oh, I have priorities. What are they? I want you to ref reflect over that for a second. So write them down in your mind. Then what are God's priorities in life? As far as this earth is, and, and God is not unclear about the things that are his priorities at all. If anything, we are the ones who are not clear. What are your priorities in life? It's good to make money. But the Bible is very clear. That what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? As a pastor and as a professional, I am privileged to meet a lot of wealthy people. And I can tell you categorically that a lot of money is not the end of this world. There are families who wish they had half of the money so that that child will be normal. I have a relation by marriage. Stupendously wealthy family. But Drugs won't let <laughs> the man enjoy his life until he passed on. What are your priorities? How aligned 
are your priorities with God? Early in my walk with God, I discovered that God has priorities. That there are some things that are important to God. I found that out. And it's important for you and I to find out those things and be very comfortable about those things. You know, know those things the way you know yourself. You know your name. In John chapter 15 verse 16, perhaps the first scripture that I ever knew, or second, that I knew by heart, at least I tried, John 15, 16. He said, you have not chosen me. This was God speaking. But I chose you. That you may go forth and bear fruit. That your fruit may abide, remain. So don't just get people to Jesus. Make sure they are standing. He said, then you can ask for how many things? Anything whatsoever. Say, God will give it to you. What else do you want? This is a blank check. Commit yourself to bringing people to Jesus. To investing in the things that get people saved. That get them to stand in the law. Make sure you don't draw them away from Christ to show you the importance that he attaches to it. He says, if somebody gives his life to Christ, young believer, and because of your behavior or your negligence, that person drops. He says, it's better that they hang a stone a millstone. And I went to Israel about 10 years ago. And, you know, the millstone, many of us, what is the size of the millstone you know? You think it's that one in your village that is the one that you grant payment. No, a millstone in Israel is almost as, in fact, almost as tall as me. It's like circular. I don't know how they use it. Though. Don't ask me. It's like, it's like a tube, like a pillar. You hold a house. Sheer concrete. So it's like hanging. They will hang. It's just like that person's life will be like they hang... Uh, a millstone is there and throw me to the bottom of the sea. That's how big this issue about bringing people to the Lord is to God. So when I understood that principle, I'm not perfect, but that principle is what made me to call a little girl in our church yesterday as I came back from the airport at 10.30 at night because I saw it was her birthday. And she's such a young girl, I think she's like a house help in someone's house. And, and, and I called her. She almost collapsed on the phone. Because I wasn't around. And I, and I made, you know, I, had flag, I used to do it, I flagged. And, and then and God said to me, you've got to care about the least of these people. God is so big on the priority of sinners returning to him that he made his biggest investment in it. John chapter 3 verse 16, he says, For God, for, for God so loved the pastor, the church. No, the sinners outside your door. That he sent his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I was speaking to some pastors last Saturday. And I said to them, I'm not sure, you know, they were happy, but you know, the whole place was sober. I said, statistics show, depending on what you believe, there are 17 million people in Lagos, and there are 20 million in Lagos, depending on whose data you look at. I said, if we add all the churches in Lagos, and add all the ones in Augustade, inclusive, we have less than a million people going to church every Sunday. We drove here from Ikeja this morning, you would have thought it was a work day. You may not know, but there are people going to jog on, and play soccer on Sunday mornings now. If we commit ourselves and invest our resources and our time and energy in bringing people to Jesus, I'm sure you know the children's church alone would not fill this place. But if they don't come to the Lord, 20 million people or 16 million people, depending on your calculation, are heading straight to hell if Jesus comes tomorrow. And I was privileged to be passing through a city in the U.S. when the last hurricane came. And the feeling, it, you know, I was in Dallas and the thing was happening in Houston, I think. The feeling, like our sister said in the video, was like, is this the end? Is this really the end? And it can happen. So we're talking about a sense of what? Urgency. God has priorities. 
And you cannot ignore his priorities and think that he's going to take you very, very seriously. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, Daniel 12, 3, God said something very profound. And I want us to open to that scripture. Daniel 12, 3. I noticed that you went sober. Is it just me? <laughs> Daniel 12, verse 3. Talking about the priorities of God. He says, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I pray that your testimony will shine forever and ever. I pray that people will see what God is doing in your life and they will say, I want to know your God. But you see, the secret to that is making God's priorities, whose priorities? My priorities. Now, we're not all going to stand on the pulpit and preach. We don't have that luxury. And by all means, if you want to start a branch of GFH, you are all, we are by all means welcome. Amen. But do you know when the Bible says a cup of cold water, just the, just the way you greet someone at the door. You know, before I came to the Lord, there was a lady who used to sing in a particular church in Sulawesi. I met someone who used to be her boss recently. And she said, have you heard from this lady recently? I said, no. I never ever really, really met her like that. But I used to go to this church, an unbeliever. When I get out of my hangover, I will go to church. Oh, you guys you know what a hangover is? <laughs> I will just go to church. And you know what I used to go and do? I just wanted, this lady used to sing like no man's business. I will worship the Lord for he is mighty. When she finishes praise and worship, I will just carry my load. I know the ushers, you know, for some reason they would give me a seat in front. It didn't used to bother me. I was half drunk. So, right in front of the pastor. So, when some people do it in front of me, now I go, harvest time. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool. No problem. <laughs> but, you know, that kept me going to church. I, I used to laugh at all the pastors. I mean, what's he talking about? See, I... I, I I left school at 19, and by the time I was 21, I was a millionaire. So, tried to think about the kind of mind that I had. So, I thought everybody that didn't have money was a fool. So, when they preachers, what was he talking about? But when God dealt with me, I remembered those songs, and I started going to church, and that's how I met Jesus Christ. Because somebody was singing. There was a guy who was my bad friend in secondary school, who I met as a holy police, you know, Christ marshals, you know, traffic person. I said, they are doing traffic in church. I must be coming to this church. <laughs> Align your priorities with God and you will be amazed at the great results that you see in your life. That's number one. Make deliberate what? Choices. To invest in the things that God invests in. Number two, do something new. If you want to see new and different results in every area of your life, you must do new things. Without doubt, there are some fundamentals, some ancient landmarks that we can't move. You cannot be like some people that say, we can't pray. We don't need to pray anymore. Let's just be decree. You better pray and decree. <laughs> Fast. Jesus Christ is clear. Some things will not go. Except we pray and fast. And don't wait until the pastor says we should fast. <laughs> That's dangerous. Declare the fast by yourself. So there are ancient landmarks. There are things that must remain. But there, God's word is very clear to us. If I want to see new results, I must do new things by myself. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 to 31, the results we see in verse 31 where God said everything he had made was very good came about because every day, line upon line, God was doing a new thing. Every day was a totally different theme. He called forth light out of darkness on the first day. The second day, he created the firmament. The next day, he created plant life in an orderly fashion. Every day, there was something new. That's why he told us in Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 19, he says, remember not the former things. He said, behold, I will do a new thing. It is the very nature of God to do new things. It is his character to do new things. 
That's why in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 to 23, you wonder how that book found its way in the Bible. Lamentations. Because <laughs> God can turn lamentations into rejoicing. And he will do that for someone here today. The Bible says that the mercies of God are new every week, every blessed morning. And I pray that in your life, the mercies of God for today will avail for you in Jesus' name. So if God is in the habit of doing new things, you and I have to synchronize with him. Remember, the earth must align with heaven for results to come. If God who dwells in the heavens is a God of the new, you and I must do new things. In Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11, Luke 5, 1 to 11, Peter was stuck in the rot of subsistence living. Go to the riverside in the morning, uh, throw nets in. Uh, if it doesn't work, you go, you wash your net at the end of the day. Well, tomorrow we will uh, start again. Zero sum game. Whatever we catch, we eat. And God was watching him. But one day, the God who never leaves us the way we are, who wants us to get better, came to him in person. Jesus Christ came and stepped into his boat and taught him some fundamentals, like I have shared with you. Taught him priorities, number one. In Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11, Jesus Christ said, push your boat into, leave the coast, move, push, move it inside. And Jesus Christ sat in that boat. He caught this man washing his net out of despair, about to go home. Instead of addressing that problem, Jesus sat him there while he preached the gospel. And I'm sure people gave their lives to him, surrendered to him, paid attention to him. Peter was watching. He was teaching him the principle of priorities. That it is important to serve before you get a reward. Many of us want to get a reward without serving. No, no, that's not how God works. Hebrews eleven six says those who come to him must be convinced about who he is. He said they must come to him with that faith. He said because without that faith, it's impossible to please him because he's a rewarder of who? Those who diligently seek him. So he taught him that principle that he didn't know. Priorities. And then he taught him another principle. He said launch into the what? Deep. Take a risk. So excited at the values of GFH, as I saw, diversity, inclusiveness, um, you know, humor. Everything that we saw, it taught him risk-taking. Do you know some of us, the reason why we've not been able to get the things we want to get from God, is that when you, for example, when you look at how much money you are going to give to God, you will have just done calculation. So what if this thing happened? Let me set this one aside. And as long as you continue to live safe with God, you cannot enjoy breakthrough testimonies. You've got to learn to live dangerously with God. Someone said you must learn to try things that will fail unless God intervenes. Not recklessly, of course, but if you are in tune with the Holy Spirit, God will say to you, do this thing. And he will answer you. He will come through for you. So he taught him that. I sense in my spirit that there's someone here who is desperate for the new. You look at your life, your, your testimony is jaded. It's a long time you sang a new song. It's a long time you had any new thing to talk about. The Lord is saying to you today, Launch into the new. Do a new thing from what you've always known. And he will show you what he's capable of. Three to four years ago, I found myself asking God for more. I was okay. I mean, okay by all normal standards. But I hate normal. I like the supernatural. I like the extra normal. My pastor... My bosses, my, my spiritual leaders tell me that I'm spoiled and I like to be, I like, to be like David. Anointed my head with the oil of, you know, the oil of, in the presence of my enemies. I don't have no problem. If you have a problem with being spoiled, pass it to me. Amen. So I found myself jaded. I mean, 
I was sharing 20 year old testimony. Oh, what happened to me when I gave my life to Christ in 1996? There are one or two in this room who've heard me share that testimony in the business world before. It was a powerful testimony, still very powerful. I said, God, you must do something new. I need something new. So God told me to do three things that I can share with you. First of all, he told me, the prayer you have been praying since, that's what got you here. And it's a maintenance prayer. Eh? It got you here, you know, when you, you know, cruise control in a car, right? When you get to a certain speed, you just put the cruise, you, you know. It's like that in the aeroplane too. <laughs> cruise. So you're on cruise mode. I don't, you don't need to, God, I know that. I can see that I'm cruising. <laughs> so, so if you want to climb, I heard the lady say the interview was unusually hard. It's because you wanted to join leadership. <laughs> the interview for driver is different from interview of leadership. Hmm? So God said, pray. Oh, believe me, most people would not understand when I say pray because, you know, you can't but pray if you're a pastor. Even if you don't like praying, you'll be foolish not to pray. They'll take you out in two minutes. Okay, no, no, say no, no, no. The, the prayer is not like that. Now you must be praying like a machine. I mean, pray. That's okay. Second thing he said, you must be more humble. <laughs> the circumstance that brought me to Christ already humbled me. And I thought I was humble. He said, hey, that's what we're saying. You are there. Now I, you must decrease so that he might what? Increase in your life. So you have to be saying sorry to the driver. When you mistakenly shout at him, you must be gracious to people who are. You like excellence, but you must remember that there's nothing you have that I have not given you. You must learn to forgive the unforgivable. You want grace for higher levels? Humble yourself. And then you must learn to give to people who cannot give you anything back. You must learn to give to causes, causes, you know, things that will not bring something out like an ATM. You must learn to pay forward. So, I learned the practice. When I go to a restaurant to eat, before like most, most human beings, not you, I'm sure GFH is different. I will leave the 500 naira change. And God said to me, you are no longer permitted to go and spend 25,000 naira for lunch and leave 500 naira. It's not possible. You see, because you just spent somebody's salary to eat lunch and you left him 500 naira. So, so after you collect the change, you leave the change there, you will bring 2,000 naira. Sometimes bring 5,000. Drop it. When you go to... He was talking to me, not you. Because <laughs> I'm going somewhere. <laughs> and I need to get there. He <laughs> said, so when you go to the gas station, instead of just giving him the change, and the reason why he didn't collect it because it was rumpled and dirty, not because you really wanted to give him. He said, you must give him, give people gifts that blow their mind. Not people who will recognize you. The first time I tried this thing, when I started it, I saw the meaning of that Proverbs 11, 23 to 25, where it says that the man who withholds corn, the people will curse him. Because he didn't curse me, he blessed me. So I was looking at the reverse. That what if I didn't give him that tip? As I was going with that full tank of 10 or 15,000 that I used to fill my tank, he would just be uh, praying the reverse for me. Because I gave him that tip or whatever it was, and the man said, ah, God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. That's what God told me. Learn to do new things. The church is expecting you to drop 1,000 naira today. Or 5,000 naira. Why don't you just decide to just excite God and just drop a million? Solomon gave God what no king had ever done before. And you know the results. God said to me, it said to him, ask for what? Whatever. 
I believe God is set to do a new thing in your life today. Do a new thing. And then lastly, give. So what's the first thing? Priorities. Do something new. And then lastly, give. And all of this is in the context of the fact that everything comes from where? God. And the spiritual controls the physical. The key to all the things that we desire in life is to give for them. This last point summarizes everything that I've been saying. See, the whole of creation story is one of a generous, selfless, and relentlessly giving God. There's nothing that God created that was meant for himself. Nothing, nothing. He already had, he's the all-sufficient God. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I would just, you know, I already have a cattle upon a thousand hills. The gold belongs to me. <laughs> you know, there's some joke, there's some jokes on the internet. Now, I call, I call them jokes. Some people are bothering to respond to it, and I find it laughable about tithes, right, and offerings. And I just think it's just ridiculous. They say, hey, I should not tithe, I should not tithe. I say, what is wrong with you? A man who is arguing about 10%, will he give 100%? It's just, just greed, just greed that is happening. But, you know, we all learn our lessons eventually. The question is, how many things do you do? I mean, big things do you do for other people? How many big gifts do you give for other people that they don't ask you for? God started day one and kept on giving on himself until his work was done. He kept giving. Created this, created that. Then he made the garden. Everything was beautiful. The food. The amazing thing was that he was doing all this giving at a time when the earth could not, nobody was on earth to pray for those things. Nobody could ask him, please give us food to eat. Give us food to eat. There are people here who want God to be lavish and generous towards them. But when it is time to give to God, we have to preach five sermons. We have to pray seven times a day for you to give. We have to beg you. We have to do campaign. But the word of God says that the generous soul shall be made fat. Make a decision from today never to be among the common people who the pastor has to encourage to give. Find the things that are important to God and throw yourselves into those things. And you will find out that you have generational harvests. See, many of us are working very hard for our children. We're working very hard for the future. Building houses for them. My father worked very hard as a math teacher. In, you know, in Loring. Built a seven or six or seven bedroom house in, in our village. I haven't been in that house in maybe 15 years. Nobody lives there. He's, even his wife doesn't live there. We've given the house to a church. Why do you think your children want to live in a seven-bedroom house? <laughs> Why? Give yourself away. Give yourself away. Give like God gives, generously, sacrificially, relentlessly. You know, I just returned from a two-year sabbatical in the U.S. And I discovered some of the secrets of America. We like to think, I don't agree, we like to think that we are going to evangelize them. The truth about it, they should be re-evangelizing us. You may not agree with me, but I'm not debating because if you find one American who says he's a Christian, he's a thorough. When you want to give a contract to somebody and this person says he's a pastor in Nigeria, what do you say? You say, let's leave that one. <laughs> let's not go there. Let's talk man to man. I want to close with two or three testimonies that connect all the dots. All I was going to say about America is it's a very generous country. That's all. Two, three testimonies, two testimonies quickly and, and then we're done. The first one is David. 
in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 to 19, there's a, a really beautiful story that I love. I love that story. I'm God helping me, I, I want to teach my children that story until, until, they stop, <laughs> until they stop listening to me. <laughs> David woke up one day. This David that God said, a man after my heart. He woke up one day and said, you know, I'm blessed, you know. All my enemies are gone. They have now become my footstool. Me, shepherd boy that father and mother forsook, I'm now a king. But when I look at myself, I live in a house made of cedars. I'm, I'm, I live in a palace. But the ark of God is dwelling among curtains in a tent. And I prepared this message. I, I didn't remember that we had curtains around, so this has nothing to do with And this is a great place anyway. But David said that. He said, this cannot be right. And there are people here today, like me, who the world gave us no chance at all. I come from a family of intellectuals. Many of them knew the Lord long before I even knew where the way to church was. No chance. I was the only one in the family. All my older ones took my father to scholarship um, award. I took my father to disciplinary committee. I was invited. <laughs> that was my record. <laughs> so I tell people, when you see my fanatical zeal for God, it's because, like David said, who am I that you have been mindful of me? I should have died on Third Midland Bridge at 20. So David said, like I imagine you should be saying, for what God has done for me, what am I going to do for God? What price am I going to put on my life, on the salvation of my soul? I have classmates, I'm just 46, I have classmates that have died of stroke, not too far away, people that we played together who, who are even a year younger than me. So why would I not give God? So David said, no, no, no. I'm going to build a house for God. Our time is gone, but please read that story. God was so excited. God said, ha, since I brought them out of Egypt, nobody has remembered me. And you, God didn't complain. See, he doesn't complain. Nobody. He says, I, I, no, nobody has asked. He said, but because you've decided to do this thing, the kingdom will be in your family forever. That's how to live generationally. The Bible says when you store money in, the, in Switzerland, in the First Bank, in Guarantee Trust Bank, on earth, he, he, he said what happens is this. He said don't store your money in those places where moth and rust will destroy. He said rather store your treasures in the things of God. So God said don't worry. I live forever. You will soon die, David. You are seven, when you are 70, you are gone. 80, you are gone. But I live forever. The God you should give to is the one who long after you are gone will look after your generation after generation and generation and generation and generation. So look at where your investments are going and be wise. Investment of your time, of your effort. Then the one that blew my mind. Because, you know, every pastor, every Christian parent will tell you that it's one thing for you to know the Lord. It's another thing for your children to know the Lord. Don't worry, they're following to church. That's a different matter. Even Samuel's children didn't follow him. God said to David, he said, when you are gone, your son, Solomon, will build this house. He said, but not only will he build this house, because, you know, God knew that Solomon will have 700, right? This is 700 wives and 300 concubines. Or is it the reverse? God said, when he misbehaves, look at the magnanimity of iniquity that God could see. And God said, because you thought of me, because you looked at my house, and you said you are going to build me a harvest house to bring the millions of people to Christ. A place where my name will be worshipped. We're better together. 
exists. He said, those children, that son. <laughs> I will deal with him. But I will just use a mobile police cane. I will use the rod of men to deal with him. He said, but I will not take my mercy away from him like I took away from the house of Saul. we consider our lives where are you giving yourself to and I close with my own little testimony so when God gave me those instructions I gave you earlier when I wanted more I began to do those things at that time also the church was moving to a new premises I was looking for money to go to sabbatical but I was already doing the things that God asked me to do. 2,000 here, 5,000 there. I began to commit myself to the things that I could do. The first response, the school said, we need you to show evidence that you have $100,000 in a fixed deposit. I didn't have, I didn't have the money to pay the application fee for the business school. $60 or $100. So $100,000 is like somebody is making a mess of someone. In less than six months from just one client. <laughs> it was less than six months. I don't want to scare you. Without chasing the job, a major multinational gave me a project that earned me multiples of what I needed for that school. To take a family of five for two years to go to the U.S. to school without having to ask one naira anywhere. And I was very excited. And I kept giving. I was leading the project. I, was, I couldn't even have time to, to lead the renovation of the new premises. One of the pastors had time. And then he gave himself to that project. And his life too was jaded at the time. As soon as we finished that project, he landed a top job in this country. You know, things, God is real. It's not a, fa I mean, I, he told all of us. He said, Pastor, I don't have money. You, I know you are making money now. Let me sit here and be the project manager. The people who came with me, so they, they, they know the story. I thought that was the testimony. I went to the U.S., made arrangements, you know, got everything. I got back home, and the next thing I got was a call or an email from the school. and say, hey, listen, we've decided that we want to even give you a scholarship. I didn't apply for it because I didn't qualify for a scholarship. Try going to business school 24 years after you graduate and see whether you pass GMAT. <laughs> so we'll see your experience. We'll give you a scholarship. We'll pay all your tuition. We'll pay you a stipend that will take good care of your family. Health insurance for two years. Gym membership. We're just going to sort you out. I paid $250 as acceptance fee for the admission. The first email, uh, post, you know, mail letter I got when, I moved, when we moved to the U.S. was a check refunding the $250. God is the source of everything. No. Life, health, the future. The spiritual controls the physical. If you make the right decisions, prioritize him. Break away from the pattern of what you've been doing before. And just throw yourself into God. What God has planned for you, eyes have not seen it. Ears have not heard. Hearts have not imagined. I want to pray with two categories of people. There are people here today, you look at your life, say, this cannot be where God wanted me to be. Maybe you have money. Like I said, people who have money know that money is not everything. But you look at your life, you know that God can do better. And you want the testimony of your life to be recorded in heaven as different from where it is right now. I want to give you a chance to give your heart to God. It's only the life that God has control over that he can transform.
And then I'm going to pray for people who are convicted by this sermon. And they are saying, I know God wants me to do something. I don't know what it is, but I know God wants me to do something in this church to enlarge the kingdom of God in this place. I'm going to pray for you for grace for that. But with all heads bowed for a moment, if you are here and you are saying, Pastor, please pray. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want you to lift up your hands wherever you are. Just lift up that hand above your head. I, I, I look at my life and I know God can do better. So I want to give my life to Jesus today. Would you please lift up that hand wherever you are? Lift it up so that we can see. Is there anyone here? I can't see any hand from where I, I think there's a hand at the way, all the way to the back. There's a hand here. God bless you. Just keep that hand up until there's a card in it. There's a, there's a hand right in front of me at the back there. God bless you. God bless you. Is there any other hand? I say, Pastor, I look at my life. God bless you. God bless you. It's okay. It's okay to think about it. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Is there any other hand? Anyone who's saying, I look at my life and I want to hide myself in Christ so that no power of hell, no scheme of man can take me from his hand anymore. This is a final call for salvation today. Is there any other person here? God bless you. Just lift up that hand. Now, I can't really see your hand because God bless you. There's another hand. You've got a card in your hand or you've decided now. Would you please come forward quickly? Come, come, come quickly. If you've got a card in your hand, come. It's the wisest decision that anybody could ever, ever make. Come, come. There's nothing to be ashamed about. Absolutely nothing. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, brothers. Now, if you are here and you, after you heard that message, you feel a little nudge on your heart. There's something on your heart. And you can still come, you know, while we're praying. You feel a nudge on your heart that God will have you to do more and differently. I just want to pray for God to give you the grace to do so. I'm not asking you to take an emotional decision. I'm not asking you, I'm not asked, I've not been asked to take an offering. But God is saying to you, I need to redirect my investments of my time, of my resources, of my money towards what God is doing in this place. I want you to rise on your feet. I just want to pray for grace for you. Just rise. God is speaking specifically to you that I know there's more. I know there's more. I can do more. I can do more. I can do more. I can do more. Thank you, Father. Father, we just want to bless your name this afternoon. Thank you for the entrance of your word that brings light. First of all, I want to thank you, Lord, for your sons and daughter that have come forward. Lord, I pray that anything that may be standing between them and you, any sin, any compromise, Lord, I pray that the blood of the Lamb will cleanse in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you will make them mighty vessels of honor in your hands in Jesus' name. Let their lives bring praise to you. And Lord, every one of us rising and saying, Lord, we know you can do more through, with us. We offer ourselves to you today and we pray for grace to be everything that you want us to be in this house in the name of Jesus. The resources we need, finances, spiritual, material, Father, supply in Jesus' name. The grace to be lavish, the grace to be sacrificial, to be relentless, to be committed to your cause. Even without anybody asking us, Father, we receive in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' precious name, we...